You are listening to the Think Brick Australia podcast. Think Brick Australia represents the clay, brick and paver manufacturers of Australia. Brick by Brick, our podcast will discuss technical information and architectural case studies with special guests. I'm your host, Elizabeth McIntyre, the CEO of Think Brick Australia. Well, on today's podcast, we have a very special guest, and he's going to talk a lot about making money simple and some great financial tips. But it's my very great pleasure to welcome Noel Whitaker to the Think Brick Australia podcast. Thanks. Great to be with you. I've heard so much about you. <laughs> Noel, just before we begin, I wondered whether you could take us back to your experience in real estate and, in particular, sort of how you came up with the idea of very early in the piece, the importance of display homes? Well, I started life as a banker, and then I became a lawyer, and then I became an accountant. And then I was in a frustrating job when I read a book, Think and Grow Rich, which changed my life. And as a result of reading Think and Grow Rich, I joined partnership with a builder and we started a building and real estate company. That was about 1974. I think, 75. And it was a very tough time, but we were too stupid. We didn't know it was tough. Times were tough, but we, was, we didn't know that. So we'd build the spy homes. That, that was the days when the average wage was 15 grand and the average house was 30. So the average house then was two years wages. And we built a cul-de-sac. So what we'd do is we'd buy land in bulk, say eight or nine blocks, and erect the spec homes and sell them. And we started the partnership and I was sitting in the office and the phone wasn't ringing and nothing was working. I thought, oh God, I'll go for a drive. I'm so sick of this. And drove out to our street where the display homes were and there were a couple looking in the window and I sold them that house. I thought, right, you don't do business sitting in your office waiting for the phone to ring. I thought, how do I attract people? So I had a hundred Corfleet sign printed, Camden Homes Arrow, put them on 100 telephone poles in the area. Lo and behold, next weekend, the street was jam-packed. Mm-hmm. And I thought, right, I found the secret. And I think everyone copied it. So as far as I know, we were the first to have display homes in Australia. That's the first I know about. Yes, and I, and I think what astounds me is that, and I guess they're so important because you and I might be able to visualise something, but so many people can't. And I know for our members, it just is is... They're very important so that people can go and select what colours they want or bricks they want and things like that. But you you take it for granted if you can envisage things Mm. that everyone can, but not everyone can. Most people can't. Mm. That's the point. (laughs) Usually if it's a couple, they'll have different skills. I mean, my wife will be looking at details and colours. I'll look at costs and financing. So, you know, you've got to cover both bases. You do. No, I've read all your books and they're an incredibly easy read. And just before we started the podcast, I was saying they're that easy to read. Even my husband's enjoyed reading them. And I also, because he's a non-reader, I think, you know, a lot of people are readers, but some aren't. But what I love about your books is 
A, it feels like I already do know a lot of this advice and then you're telling it to me kindly. But I wanted to talk to you today um, about three sort of key areas because our listeners are a lot of architects that are running their own business and then a lot of engineers and, and young people that are just starting in their career. So the first thing I really wanted to concentrate on in your sort of top 20 tips for wealth is the rule of 72. Could you explain that for us, please? The rule of 72 is a compound interest calculator. And you take the number 72 and divide it by what you think will be the rate of return. And that tells you how long for something to double in value. Mm -hmm. So if you figured you can achieve 8%, 72 divided by 8 is 9. So in nine years, at 8%, that principle will double in value. Well, I mean, I use, it, I use it the whole time. And people say homes will do 10% a year. If they do, if they do 10% a year, they'll double every seven years. Mm. So today's million-dollar house is seven years, 2 million, 14 years, 4 million, 21 years, 28 million. But the big thing about compounding is that there's always more growth in the last double than the sum of all the previous doubles. In the books, I talk about the lily in the pond that doubles every day and starts as a tiny speck and fills the pond in 10 days. How long to go from quarter full to full? Answer, two days. Quarter full to half on the ninth and a half to full on the 10th. Three quarters of the growth in 20% of the time. Yes. Now, if that 10-day time frame was your investment program, and because you started late, you had to harvest your superannuation on the eighth day, you forfeited three quarters of what you could have had. Yes. That's the amazing thing about compounding. It gets quicker and quicker as time goes by. But the average person wants the 14-day to riches and buy the Bitcoin and become an overnight millionaire, you know, the, the, the seven-day weight loss program. It can't be done. So a lot of our listeners and our audience, as I mentioned to you, are architects, and a lot of them also have their own practices. And I think one thing that I sort of really resonated with me in your advice was paying yourself first. And I just wonder whether you could expand on that a little bit, because what I hear, and I don't want to name the architects themselves, but I, right. what I hear a lot of them say to me is, oh, we're going through rough times, or even during COVID, I took a pay card, I did these things. And that always worries me because I think that comes down to your personal value as to what you're valuing yourself. But I love what you talk about in terms of paying yourself first. Could you expand on that for our listeners? Let me tell you two stories. In spec homes, you build a home and have to sell them. That's, that's gold. But occasionally one didn't sell. After 10 years in business, we made a lot of money, paid a lot of tax, all we had to show for 10 years of work were those houses that we were forced to keep. Isn't that extraordinary? If we would have set everything on budget, it would have been nothing to show for 10 years' work. I played golf with a guy one day. He was a, the biggest Ford dealer in Townsville. He made his money because every time the dealership grew, he bought another property. The money he made and was worth millions was the freehold property in that property when he sold it. Mm. You know, I had a restaurateur come to me, one of the best-known restaurateurs in Brisbane. I had to make a lot of money. I don't save anything. I just can't do it. I said, righto, I want you to sign a debit for you and your wife for $2,000 a month into super, tax deductible, just like wages. He says, couldn't do it. I said, look, 
not a contract, try to do it. Well, three months later, gee, I'm doing it. Six months later, I'm still doing it. Four years later, I get half a million bucks sitting there. See, we all pay our commitments. That's why you should be paying yourself a wage. If it's appropriate, get your own business premises. I started the direct debit plan into superannuation. I mean, superannuation is a great saving mechanism. But you must have those commitments that you do first. Because if you try and save what's left over, there was never anything left over. And that, that to me, is the secret. You must put money aside. Now, you may do it by buying a nice house and paying it off quickly, by buying investment property, by buying shares, by super, but you've got to be doing something. Mm. And once you start the commitment, you will do it. You know, most people who get a pay rise are no better off because they spend it. I remember someone said that to me. He said, no matter yeah. how many pay rises you get, your living expenses increase or you just spend more, which is true. Always. Now, you imagine, but when we were in France two years ago, there was a big angst going on because in France you pay your tax annually. So everyone gets a massive tax bill in October and the government was trying to make it monthly to make it easier and they were, you know, rebelling against it. You imagine if people, let's say the average person gets 30 grand in their group certificate, you imagine the average person finding 30 grand at tax time because the boss didn't take any tax out. Now, you don't miss what you don't get. Mm. That's one of the principles. That's probably the most important principle. So then one of the, I guess, regrets in a way when I was reading your book, because I'm not a spring chicken, is looking at the gift of compounding. We really felt after reading your books, that was something that we really wanted to give to our children. Yes. Could you just go through that and maybe just some examples, obviously, as to how it makes such a big difference? A, if you're retired, the major factor which determines how much you must invest every year to get the goal and how long your money lasts after you do retire depends solely on the rate of return you're going to achieve. And the rate of return in the long term is huge. I mean, if you've got $1 million and you want to retire on, say, 65 grand a year, and you're 65 now, if you get 5%, your money will last to 83. Mm. You get 8%, it lasts to 96. You know, so that's so important. It's the rate of return you can achieve. But also, I'm just working on a new book for young people. Mm. Well, this is what I'm working on at the moment. This is, this is my secret, right? That mm. at the moment, you're young and you've got a pup, right? And you're walking along with a pup and, and, and the pup's earning a bit of money, but, you know, the pup's earning a dollar a week and you're earning $1,000 a week. But then as time goes by, the pup gets bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and that pups your superannuation. Mm -hmm. By the time you get the 65, if you do it right, the pup will be earning $5,000 a week. You could never earn as much as your portfolio will. Because, you know, as I said, every time it doubles, there's more growth in the last double than all the other doubles added together. Can you give an example of, for some of our younger listeners, you've got an early 20-year-old person that's just started in their new job. Okay. Right? And what would your advice be to them around compounding? Because they've got a little bit of time on their side there. What would your advice be there? Well, the first rule is to get in the top 8%. Be different. Mm-hmm. And you must use the richest man in Babylon theory. A part of all you earn is yours to keep. In other words, it's not the amount, it's, it's the habit. 
you must keep something out of every pay, otherwise you can't build capital. See, to have compound interest working, you've got to have, got to have capital. And the only capital can come in the early stages from your earnings. Now, if you choose to squander that on nights out and cocktails and travel and tattoos and all sorts of things and flash cars, you don't have a capital base to grow. So number one is growing a capital base mm. and then compounding can work. And on my website, all these calculators, and it's a great compound interest calculator, you run your own numbers. I did an all-day seminar once on with women economists on why many women have less super than men. And this was a female economist session. It wasn't a it wasn't a sexist session at all. Oh, it was yeah. all day. And the consensus was that women, there are various reasons, like women being smarter than men, they choose to be like part-time doctors and vets and things and all that sort of stuff. But women are more risk-averse than than men. In their superannuation, they choose less growth options. Mm -hmm. And the meeting's main recommendation was that all females with super, that they were in high growth unless they opted out. That was to boost the rate of return they were getting to boost compounding. From the get-go? Absolutely. Mm. Get going, you see. And on my website is, is a superannuation contributions calculator yep you can punch in your age now and your salary and and then punch in the rate of return you think you can get and then run right down and you'll see the massive difference in a one or two percent difference in the rate makes over a long time and don't forget that that fees are part of the rate so if you're copying in a fund that's charging a two percent fee when some people are only charging a 0.5% fee, you're losing 1.5% of your return in fees. And it is amazing. I think, you know, one of my super funds, it was almost a 10% fee, you know, every year. And right it's, 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 you took it out because it wasn't doing anything. But the main finding of Jeremy Cooper in the superannuation inquiry was 80% of Australians disengage with their super. Mm. Don't care about the fees. Don't, know, don't care about it. It's hard to motivate people who don't want to be engaged. It's true. Now, what do you see as we've talked about some of the mistakes people make, but, but what do you see outside of those as the biggest financial mistakes people make? Well, the biggest financial mistakes divorce. You know, the, the biggest cost to your wealth is divorce because all of a sudden, you, instead of compounding, you're halving. Mm. Now, I'm not saying, I'm not making any moral stance, but I'm divorced. <laughs> but it's luckily I was only, only young when I got divorced. That's the biggest attack on your, is divorce. Mm -hmm. The next one is going into business for yourself. Now, I'm not saying you shouldn't, but 80% of businesses fail. Another big one is even worse if you're older, is going guarantor for your kids if, if they're in business. I love that one. Can you talk about that just a little bit more? What you Which one's that one? The going guarantor for your for your children, because I think that for a lot of us, it, it's going to come up. You know, you want to help your children. Sure. Things are a lot more expensive. So, what sure. are, what's your advice on on that? Well, I believe strongly that you help them when you can, if they're appropriate to be helped. I'd rather be giving my kids money when they're 35 and I'm 80 than when I'm 100 and they're, you know what I mean? Mm. Uh, so help them 
when they need it, as long as they're receptive and good money managers. If they're always in trouble, don't go near them. Or you can say, right, if you put for every $1,000 you invest in a home savings account, we'll give you 5,000 or 10,000, I'll match it. Mm. And, and another trick is people get their name on the kid's title deed. Oh, well, I wanted to help my daughter buy a house. I put my name on the deed. So now they're a half owner. So that happens when they're 50 and the house is worth $500,000 when they're 50. Mm -hmm. And now 15 years have passed, they're 65 applying for the age pension. Mm -hmm. And their share of the house is now worth half a million dollars because the house is now worth a million dollars, right? Yep. Well, can't get the age pension over the asset base. If we then give that half a million to the kids, capital gains tax issues, and even then, Centrelink will hold it for five years. So if you're 50, the simple act of putting your name on the kid's own home title deed could well cost you two or three hundred thousand mm. dollars. That's why I always say take advice before the deed is done. Yeah. That makes yeah. sense. And don't go guarantor, right? Well, look, guarantor on certain things. I mean, if they're getting a mobile phone, they're young or something, you know. But the guarantee you should know what you're up for. That's the point. But certainly don't go in business. That's high risk. It's extremely high risk. Don't go near it. Any more mistakes that you see people make? All the time. I mean, I could spend an hour talking about mistakes. <laughs> Always thinking that once the boom starts, it's never going to stop. Or we better grab afterpay shares now because they're rocking all Bitcoin or something else because they base performance on what has been. And I get very annoyed. The papers are now running front page headlines. Your house is making you $5,000 a week. Well, it's not because that's capital gain and capital gain is never happening. It has happened. So maybe your house has increased by 50 grand in 10 weeks. That's possible. That may be 5,000. That's no guarantee it will do it next week. No. And the papers have this rubbish about property. I mean, A, they talk about the housing market. There's no such thing as the housing market. We're talking Blacktown, Point Piper, houses, units, Perth, Adelaide, you know, Launceston, Cairns. There's no such thing as the housing market. The papers it, are always pushing this thing about the housing market. It's boring. Yeah. yeah. And the thing is as well, I mean, even with any property, your real price is when you want to sell it and what that person or who's going to buy it at that time, that's what your property value is. And the sale price never takes into account of improvements by owner. Mm. You know, most owners do something to it. Mm. The key to real estate and the key to real estate success is to buy well and add value. Mm. You've all heard about the worst house in the best street syndrome. You know, you're the one doing that. And that's why I don't like I, I don't like apartments. You cannot add value to an apartment. An apartment just gets older and better ones be built. So many gems, Noel. Well, it's experience. I've, it's, it's many years of experience. I mean, my worst, my worst mistake was I got involved in developing a shopping centre. Mm. So we got mixed up with a guy who had been bankrupt, which was should have been a lesson. But you didn't know you you did know that before you started, or you found out along well, the way. Well, he was a, he was a good guy who got caught in bad things, really. But yeah. but 
he decided we'd build this 13-shop neighbourhood strip centre at Victoria Point, which is a, is a Brisbane nice coastal town. And it's only it's in, in the suburbs of Brisbane. Mm. So first thing, he, he must have hired the world's worst architect who didn't know a butcher shop must have a back door because you can't bring meat in the front door. He didn't know a hot bread shop should have a certain height. Mm. So all of a sudden, no hot bread shop, no butcher, didn't know about special requirements for a news agency. And to make it worse, the local shy councillor pinched our post office for his own shopping centre. So we're now, it's about 1983, I think, we owe a million dollars at 22% capitalising. So the debt is, now you take Rule 72, the debt's doubling every three years. And we couldn't sell a shop. And I was, so I, it was my builder partner and me and this other bloke. So the other bloke had nothing, of course. And that's, and that's another lesson. If you don't get into business with a guy with nothing, he'll get half the profits and you'll get all the losses. Mm. Yeah, that's a, a gem for you. Hmm. Anyway, so my partner and I sold those houses that we were we were forced to keep, and we lost half our assets. And luckily, we'd kept those houses we couldn't sell. It was a traumatic experience, believe me. I was 43, 44, you know, young family house mortgage. It was frightening because you can't see a way out. Hmm. The guy came to me once. He'd done an industrial subdivision at Marucci Door. Then times went bad, and there's no way. He, and then all of a sudden, the economy's gone, so he can't sell a block of land. Again, interest is capitalising. Mm. I always think you need to be very careful of any deal when you don't know how bad it will get. Yeah. I, I mean, if I buy, if, if I if I go and put fifteen bucks on a horse, I know I can lose fifteen bucks, and that's it. But you get mixed up in development; it's just an open checkbook. No, most people, I guess their biggest asset is their house. And yes. when you talk about paying yourself or, you yes. know, I guess paying that down as quickly as possible, can you just talk a little bit around non-tax deductible debt and, yes. and you know, tax deductible debt? Could you just expand on that a little there bit? There are two types of interest, those which you can claim as a tax deduction and those which you can't. And any expenses, any expenditure for a private purpose, such as your own home, is non-deductible. Therefore, it costs twice as much as deductible interest. Yeah. Whereas investment money is deductible if you buy an investment property. Now, many people ask me, well, I've got my home now. I want to upgrade and it's debt-free. Can I mortgage that to buy my new house? Well, you can, but you won't get a tax deduction because the purpose of the loan is to buy your own home private purpose. And that's why we always say to people that if you're in a home and you think that'll be a starter home, put all your money in an offset account. So don't pay the loan down, put the money in an offset account. So let's say you borrowed $400,000 and 15 years later, there's 400 grand in the offset account and the debt still is 400000 You can then simply use the offset account money as a deposit on your dream home, leaving the other house negatively geared, mm. whereby if you would have paid the loan off, then you're gone. Yep. You also do another great tip around investment properties, and one of the tips I remembered you saying was that 
you can pay your interest in advance for a year and do that in June. It depends on your income, of course, but if you suddenly want to tax, keep it simple, if you owe half a million dollars on, on your investment house and your rates say 2%, that's $10,000 of interest. If the bank will let you do it and you've got to negotiate it, instead of paying like the $10,000 over the next 12 months after June 30, you put $10,000 on your loan now and claim a tax deduction now. And that gets the interest in this year, not next year. Now, that was not bad when tax rates have changed. I mean, don't forget now that, that most people are in the under 120,000 bracket. Mm. So the rates are much less than they were for tax, which means your deduction is not worth as much. But also, instead of paying 7% interest, you're paying 2% interest. Yes. Yeah. So it not, that's not so important. Well, big one I often get is I'm, I'm age 50, got a house mortgage, I want to retire at 65. Should I focus on my house mortgage or my super? Yep, that's a good question. Now, given that mortgage repayments come from after-tax dollars, your superannuation comes from pre-tax dollars. So there's a lot more bang for your buck in the deductible superannuation contribution than you trying to reduce your mortgage with after-tax dollars. But secondly, a good fund should be doing 8%, your loan should be 2%. So why would you focus on a 2% loan with after-tax dollars when you can be using pre-tax dollars in an 8% environment? Yep. Makes no sense. So once you get to 50 or thereabouts, all your focus should be building up your super. Right. And you can withdraw that tax-free when you retire, if you wish. Or a better option is you'd withdraw enough for the interest tax-free and leave it grow. If all of a sudden you've got half a million, or make it simple, you've got a million dollars in super and a half million dollar housing loan, why would you remove that half a million dollars from the compounding, which will be a million dollars in eight years more, if you can simply just withdraw 10 grand for the interest out of it? Yeah. It's, It's like a monopoly game. You want as many assets going for you on the board. I, I did a column last week that if you're 60 with half a million dollars in, in super, working five more years increases that by 40%. Mm. You know, it's a no-brainer. All of a sudden, it's 800000 going for you, not half a million dollars going for you. And you've got to build those assets and keep them, and, and they've got to keep growing. Noel, I know just on super, though, in the book, you did mention, and there's obviously, I think one of the reasons people are disengaged around super is because there has been so historically and currently, there's always changes to it with different governments. You did mention, though, that I think if you're in your mid-40s, which is kind of where I am, and I know a lot of our audience is, that you are better to wait to 50 because the landscape is kind of still changing. Is that still true? There's been nothing major. I mean, there's been changes. The, 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 the big change was when Turnbull in 2016 said you can't transform more than $1.6 million to pension mode. Yep. Which many people have misconstrued as you can't hold more than $1.6 million, which is yeah. which is quite wrong. Okay. That was Your money in pension mode could grow as much as you like. I mean, there's no, there's no limit. Having made the 1.6, which is now 1.7, uh, that's the... And you can do that once in your lifetime. But having yep. done it, it's all over. If it wanted, if it wants to grow, it can grow. 
Right, two million, three million. But then you're just paying a, a tax on that, though. Yes. Well, fifteen. Well, yeah. You okay? Once you retire, if you can retire with one point six million bucks, it's in a tax-free fund, and you can draw a tax-free income. Now that's perfect, isn't it? Yep. If you've got more than, if you had to transfer more than the one point six or one point seven million, the balance is taxed at fifteen percent. Yep. So I'd be very happy holding, which I've, which I've got a nice big chunk of money in the 15% bracket. It's like living in Hong Kong and, and the rest tax-free, you know. But you can't take advantage if you don't have the money, do you? That's true. Yeah. I like, I like your analogy first... that it's a box. It depends what's in it, you know. It's a box. It's a box. Now, just I would be curious on your outlook given COVID and, and what's happened. Where do you see the next sort of five years generally? Because I, I know that you always say that the media to, do tend to talk about doom and gloom with regards to finance. Where do you see things going in the next five years? Well, I went to a function on the weekend and a woman was there, is Australia's top high-end jewellery person. Okay. You're talking like 100 grand starters. She told me the best two years are the best two years she's had in business. The last two years? Yes. And Tom yep. Offerman. Now, now, Tom Offerman is Noosa's top real estate person. The best two years he's ever had. So all this talk about COVID, you know, the economy will bounce back. Mm-hmm. It, you know, it's easy to focus on doom and gloom. Yeah. I always say to people, if you focus on what you can control, don't you worry about what you can't control. I mean, Australia now, the big problem is resources. Mm. There are no tradesmen. There's no nothing. There's no materials. Mm. We were putting in a lift in our house. The project is now half done while we wait to see when the lift will leave Europe. Yeah. You know, so the big challenge for people now is how the hell do we get jobs done? Well, and it's I mean- the big architects thing, you know, so this is not the signs of a recession. The big question, I think, is will rates increase? Because as we speak, the we had a huge inflation in the last quarter. But the big thing is, well, petrol prices have gone, have gone sky high. Does Reserve Bank want to really increase the housing repayments for the average person? You know, it's a real challenge for them. Do you think they will increase? I think they will. But not substantially? Not substantially. Our, our people think maybe 2% in four years. Okay. It'll be a token increase, I think. Yeah. I mean, I remember when we first, I mean, 15 years ago, it was still 8% or something back then. I bought a property in 1990, was happy to get a, a fixed rate of 16%. We would never have envisaged it would now be two. Mm. In fact, these renovations on my house, I am now borrowing $400,000 at 2% yeah. because I don't want to take it out of my super. No, right. I'd rather have $400,000 in my super growing than that. So, yeah. yeah. No, thank you so much. I've, I really have enjoyed this. And I must say, as I've said before, your books are amazing and all the resources that anyone can help themselves to for free on your website are tremendous help. And you don't need to try very hard to do some pretty simple things. That's my philosophy. But I will just end with a quick fire round of questions. Any answers are acceptable. I don't think we've scratched the surface. We could talk for four more hours. I mean, we're only just scratching the surface. Reading the news, newspaper or online? I go to the iPad 
and I read The Australian, The Fin Review, The Sydney Morning Herald, The Korean Mail, and then I go press reader. So I look at the, the Daily Mail, Washington Times. So I do a very quick overview of the world. Okay. Only All online. At- Handwriting or typing? I mean, I'm the worst writer. I should have been a doctor. I'm the worst writer. But I use Dragon Dictate. I couldn't live without Dragon Dictate. There are three things I can't live without. Okay. All right. Dragon Dictate is the, is the first. I dictate all my columns, everything, right? The second is Huda, H-O-U-D-A-H. Yep. If you've, got a, if you've got an Apple Mac, it lets you search the computer instantaneously. So when did I last mention the word smoking in a paper column? Put the initials of the column into smoke. So instantaneously, it tells you. Have I talked before about Gorilla 72? Bang. I couldn't be without it. And the third one is Text Expander. Oh. Text Expander. Now, a lot of the stuff I write is a fairly usual response. Mm-hmm. So Text Expander lets me enter a few words and I could write a whole page. Wow. So, you know, if even things like my phone number, I just type in PHZ and my phone number pops up. My address is in there if I need it. So I've got all these things I use all the time. Text expanded. Then these things cost nothing. You're talking pennies. They're the three things I could not be without. All right. Next one, I'm, I'm loving your questions. Okay. <laughs> Do you like to read books or listen to audiobooks? We have a house at Sunshine Beach, so we tend to go there every Thursday and come back. So the journey's on our 40. And right. that's audio. Yes. It's the best time. I like to read books, but I've got so much to read. I mean, I'm, I'm just overwhelmed with input. That's my problem. What's important to you, style or substance? Or substance. TV. Uh, I, can't stand, I can't stand style. I mean, I, I love the thing about the... Turns up in the Maserati. Well, people look at the car, they aren't looking at him, are they? <laughs> I like substance. Yep. TV shows or movies? TV shows every time because I've, my wife reckons I've got attention deficit syndrome. You know, why would you go to a theatre, queue up, sit through all the advertisements, have a seat you don't want, park the car, etc.? I've got a lovely media room with a lovely chairs for both of us. I've got Netflix and Stan and iView and Disney and Amazon. I've got everything I want. And then I can have them in my time. No good, turn them off. Antique or brand new? I like nice things. I like a house to be like a home. I don't like really, I just like a a cosy homely house. If that makes sense. Yep. Call or text on the phone? Email or text. I find calls annoying. I mean, like we're just having calls now. I mean, I you know, you never know what someone's doing. You know, a, a, a text is easy. Yep. Yeah. Travel back in time or into the future? See, that's a tough one, isn't it? I think back in time. At the moment I'm reading a book, two books on America and the world in 1900. Yes. Extraordinary time. Exterior or interior? On a person or a property? Could be anything. Oh, I think both, I think. I don't, I don't think you can separate them. Yep. 
And the last one would be video games or board games. Oh, not really. I mean, I do games on the iPad a bit, like the, like the daily challenge of words with friends. I mean, I think, I mean, I'm very busy, seriously, and I've got so yeah. much happening. Mm. I really don't have any time for those sort of things. Well, Noel, any final thoughts? Because I, I'm, I'm conscious of your time, so I appreciate well, I think it. You've got a, I always say to my kids, all you want to do is pass the car in front. And when you've cast the car in front, there's another car in front. You know, life's a series of problems to be solved as far as, as, far as I'm concerned. I just keep solving problems. Mm. But I think the main thing is in my retirement book, you live long if you've got a sense of purpose. Mm. You must have a sense of purpose. My that. purpose is to educate the ordinary person. I just keep doing it. And I love doing it. And you're great at it. Well, Thank I do you. my best. It's no. a good Thank you so much, um, Noel. I really appreciate it and your time. If you have enjoyed this podcast, please follow, rate and review our podcast. We are always looking for new ways to think brick. If you have an idea of what you'd like to hear about, there's a link in our show notes to let us know.